This, this is Brock and Saul. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. All right, so yeah, busy day. Jerry DePoto will join us here in just a moment or two. Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports. On 710salesports.com, this hour is driven by Wayscar Ford. We'll also talk to Michael Penix Jr. coming up in 30 minutes. And then, uh, yeah, I think maybe you guys after that at 930. So, uh, and then Brock and Mora doing ranked. We've obviously got a lot going on. I think we got Jerry right now, though. Jerry, good morning. How are you? How were the winter meetings? Uh, the middle that they were a little dull, to be honest with you, but glad to be back in Seattle and see if we can get some uh, some activity. Why do you think they were dull? Uh, you know, I did. part of it is because I think we we did our heavy lifting leading into the winter meetings, which isn't too uncommon for us. And, you know, the other is until we were mostly all already leaving the hotels, you know, there wasn't a single trade at the winter meetings until – the Mets acquired Brooks Rayleigh uh, late yesterday. So it, it was it was an unusual winter meetings. And I think there was a lot of focus on the top of the free agent market. And we had to wait until some of that you know, bubble burst. And, and those players started signing before the rest of the market really gained any traction. Can you paint a picture at all? I, I know that uh, many journalists are down there and media covers it. But can you give us some perspective on what a day looks like for you when you say it's dull or there's just, are, are you knocking on doors? Are you making calls? Are you trying to set meetings and you just can't get those meetings or answer those calls when it comes to the trades that, uh, that you guys want to do? Can you kind of paint that picture for us? No, I mean, we actually, we had no live visits this year at the winter meetings, which is the first time that's happened in my career. And, and the, the traffic was just incredibly light. So we spent a lot of our time, coming up with ideas, you know, whiteboarding, uh, what what trades might look like for us, pressing out free agent targets, you know, who we've gone through ad nauseum already, and and then working through Rule 5 discussions. It was, uh, you know, mostly a, a, a think tank type session for us, and we didn't physically meet with other teams, communicated with some on on ideas and thoughts that never really gained any traction, at least while we were there, with the understanding that as again, as the market starts to, to pick up speed, which I suspect will will happen in, in the next week or so, that we would be prepared. It almost sounds like, you know, years ago you, you call and, and try to ask for a date or something. And then you're just like waiting, like are that person going to call me back. You keep checking your phone. Like, are, is that what it's like? Like you just you put something out there and then you just have to wait for it to come back to you. You think Jerry had to wait for that? Saul? Wait for you, dates? No, he played professional yeah. baseball. Probably on, not. Saul. Jerry, I'm sorry. You don't have any idea what I'm talking about. What the rest of us had to deal with waiting for girls to call us back. There's a, I didn't have to wait for that. I got married when I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> so we had, a, you know, I guess in the, in the end, we, in years past, and this dates back to well before, you know, I, I was in a general manager's position or, or that kind we used to just go room to room, you know, sit down with a team, talk about their needs, make a presentation on what we were doing. And, you know, now that happens via phone call uh, well in advance of the winter meetings and frankly, well in advance of the GM meetings. And, and that cycle has shifted a little bit. And, and now a lot of the live discussions or sit downs you have at the winter meetings are when you are in the, the red zone on what I would call a big trade, you know, Minor trades or, you know, small one-off trades don't really cause sit-downs at this stage in the game. And 
but most of your face-to-face meetings are with agents. And, and even now, that is shifting into the general manager's meetings, which happened, you know, a couple of weeks prior to going to to the winter. So while while the trade market was obviously quiet, there were a lot of big free agent deals that were done. You know, what did you learn about the market and the market values based on what did get done during the meetings? You know, like as as is the case every year uh, in, in at the winter meetings, you have expectations of what the market might look like. And you're probably going to be surprised in learning that it's a little more robust than you thought. <laughs> and, you know, and this, this year we had a feeling it was going to be, uh, they were going to be big numbers, long contracts. And, you know, it's an exceptional free agent class and, and the, the asks were exceptional and, and so were the returns. And, and I, I think it's, it's exciting. It's exciting when it's happening. We like watching it just as much as, as a fan, as these things come rolling across and, you know, and you you ooh and you ah, and then you talk about what what your thoughts are. Just like just like anybody sitting in the stands. Help me understand how nine to eleven year contracts for players in their thirties make sense. You know, I I've I've been in positions where I have signed players on those contracts, and and you know, it's, and I've also been in the the position where where we have had them. You know, here in Seattle, and and for the right player. There, there is that deal, and I, you know, I can cite a few that, you know, Matt Holiday. If I, when Matt Holiday did his deal with the Cardinals, just an awesome contract for for a guy who wound up having, you know, an awesome run in his 30s. And uh, and some of them, you know, you understand when you sign those contracts that that you're paying on the on the whole for what you're more likely to get on the front end. But uh, it's a, I guess, with today's sports science and an expectation that players can can play for longer at a higher peak than they have in years past, which, which I do think is a thing. I'm just not sure that we have enough data to support that that is, you know, that is true, but that there is a, you know, there is a a general trend toward taking care of your body, good sleep, nutrition. It's going to make a difference. We just don't have enough evidence yet that that's taking place. But these, you know, when you, you get into free agency, this is what, you know, this is the benefit of players getting there is, is that the very, the best, the top of the top of the free agent market are going to score like this, but they, you know, once you get through the, the layer of of superstars that that are signing right now, I think it'll turn back into a normal free agent market. It's just going to take a little while to settle. Are you frustrated at all not to have landed one of those superstars? I mean, would that have been exciting? Would that have helped the Mariners this year? Sure, it would have helped. <laughs> Am I? You know, I'm not. I, I can't say I'm disappointed. We we knew well before, and I and I think you could probably tell. From discussions we've had, we knew well before where the market was headed for for guys like this, and and like we should, and we did. We had we had alternative plans and and ideas on how we would make ourselves better, uh, because we weren't willing to. Obviously, we weren't willing to go there, and that's uh, you know bringing in guys like Teoscar and Colton Wong, and you know I mentioned it going in. There's they are players that we have always had interest in that we have targeted and that we saw as, as real pluses in coming to, to Seattle. And, and I said it to our media group as we met each night and in, in San Diego, we, we feel like we've gotten better. And, and, and I don't think that's that not true. You just, 
when you add players like we've added to a core like we had with expectations of full seasons from guys like Luis Castillo and George Kirby and, you know, this version, you know, the, the June to end of season version of Cal Raleigh, we have an exciting team. And, and I know it's not, it's not exciting to, to watch the free agents pass by, but we think we've improved nonetheless. You know, it's really fun, Jerry. What is today? December 8th or something like that. And 14 years of doing radio in this market, never, ever have we felt the passion of Mariners fans like we do today in December. Never. There is no apathy. It is, and you know this, you just said expectations two or three times. The bar has been raised uh, based on what you guys accomplished and your personnel accomplished last year. And I think because of that, the fervor of these fans, the impatience of the fanatics in a good way, is it a pitch that Mike and I have never heard before and never felt before in doing this show? So if you wouldn't mind, and I know you're awesome at answering questions, I'd love to throw a few at you from the audience that, that we get on social media and otherwise. Uh, this comes from Kyle Davis, and he said, uh, Jerry has told fans the Mariners would increase payroll when it was time to contend. For the second consecutive year, they haven't made a significant free agent signing to improve the lineup. His ownership is ownership committed to increasing the payroll. Love the Mariners. We already have, you know, and I think this is a question that I answered last week. You know, we went from the 23rd in payroll to 21st in payroll to 17th in payroll. We've been on a steady climb and, you know, we are a middle market. That's what we are in, in today's major league baseball. And, and our payroll has always been middle to top 10 payroll market. So we've always you know, spent commensurate with our market or higher. And we'll continue to do that. Our payroll has risen each year of this rebuild. It's on that, that trajectory again. We already we are already committed to a payroll that's 25, 30% higher than it was a year ago if we do nothing else the, the rest of this, this year. Grazing payroll is not connected to signing the top of the market free agent raising payroll is doing smart things that evenly balance a team. And we are spending more than we spent last year. And as I said, last week, we're doing it in a different way. You know, we're doing it by acquiring players who we feel are, are ready for that next big step, like Luis Castillo and extending them. We did go out last year and signed a top of market free agent, Robbie Ray. We went out and we extended Julio Rodriguez on what has a chance to be the, the biggest contract in the history of sports. We've not been you know, tight with a dollar. We've spent over a half a billion dollars in future expenditures. We just didn't sign this year's top free agent. <laughs> and, and I don't think that is reflective of a team that's unwilling to spend. We've actually already done that. I think it's great. And it's important, I think, for people to hear that logic and, and the way you know, the way a baseball club might think about this, which is probably a little bit different than the way a fan or even a member of the media might think about it from the outside. Um, I realized that we hadn't talked to you since you did uh, trade in this case for, for Colton Wong. Tell me a little bit about him. Why Colton Wong? Why did you identify him and what should we look for this year? You know, we actually identified Colton when he was a free agent a couple of years ago, prior to when signing with the Brewers, you know, he's uh, he does everything well. It's a, he's a very well-balanced player. You know, I guess his gaudiest tool historically has been his glove. You know, a couple times a gold glove winner, a platinum glove finalist. And, and uh, last year was a bit of a step back for him in terms of his defensive metrics. But his range still stands out. And we feel like the, the, the defensive metrics got a little muddy because of a core issue 
that he was dealing with last year that affected the way he positioned his hands. And, and, you know, Perry Hill, Colton himself, you know, we think that that's going to be a pretty easy fix and we'll get him back to an elite defensive level. He gets on base. He does hit right-handed pitching. He was awesome in the second half last year in, in terms of performance and has pretty consistently been an above average major league player. So, you know, adding him to our group, you know, we, as I said, we tried to do it a couple of years ago. We fell a little short. This was uh, something we had tried last year at the deadline was to pick up Colton. Didn't work then. And like with Teoscar Hernandez, just keep knocking. And, and sooner or later, somebody will answer the door and glad he's a Mariner. Uh, Jerry, do the Mariners have to be a mid-market team? I know that the teams yeah. in New York are going to spend are. <laughs> $300 million on their payroll or something ridiculous like that. Um, what will, if revenue, if you continue to win and revenue continues to come in, and we know that this market and these fans support this team, and we saw it with sold-out weekends and sold-out stadiums and felt that this season, as revenue grows, as you all continue to win, does it have to be a mid-market team? There's mid-market is in a 30-team league when there are Los Angeleses, New York, Chicago's, et cetera, you know, that, that effectively creates the roadmap. So, you know, I don't know that we'll ever be on the, on, a, on the same tier with teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers just simply because of, of the media markets and the population in those cities and, and, and among their fan base. We have an awesome fan base that do pour out. They do watch us they do give us enough revenue stream to do the things that I just described, which is to go out to sign our best players, to keep them long-term. This is the model that we created when we started this, this project a couple of years ago, back at the end of 2018 was to build a team through the draft international trades, build our core and then go accent it at the right time. And I, if there's one thing I am certain that there's, I don't really hold anything back. I'm not hiding the cards. We are telling you what we're doing, and then we're going out and we're doing that thing. And, you know, I hope we do it well enough that it results in a world's championship, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to result in becoming, you know, the New York or the L.A. of the Pacific Northwest. We're Seattle, and we're happy with our with our market. Um where, how do you, how do you, I don't know how you guys do projection, right? I mean, I know there's some, some groups out there. I mean, Dan Simborski does the zips and you've got fan graphs and you've got baseball reference. Everybody sort of has their own projection for what a player will look like. How do you guys do that? And I guess I ask because I'm thinking about Jared Kelnick and trying to figure out whether he's a guy that can outperform some of those um, projections about him that I've seen online because they're not pretty, right? They're, they're sort of based on what he's done so far numbers-wise, and they don't necessarily feel commensurate with his skills and what a scout might say. H- how do you balance some of that as you think about what J- what Jared Kelna could be moving forward? You know, it's a great question, and there are actually multiple different types of analytics. And, you know, over the weekend prior to headed to San Diego on Sunday, I, I spent, you know, three days, two days at the – the MLBPA Alumni Association Career Development uh, uh, Seminar, where we had uh, close to 100 former players there looking to get back in the game or develop some type of, of post-playing career uh, you know, job track. And in sharing with them, you know, analytics was a big question of what's happening in baseball today. And there is statistical analysis, which is, you know, traditional money ball date back 20, 30 years. We talked about Bill James to Billy Bean. 
you know, that type of statistical analysis is what you're referencing when you talk about Dan Zimborski or what you see with fan graphs and steamer projections. You know, that that is based on what a player has done. And, you know, frankly, they there is a blind spot for those projection systems with players who have less than three years of performance. Now, you will get, you know, you're going to get some noise in, in projections like that because there's not been enough of a track record set by that player to truly predict what they're going to do based on what they've done. Uh, that's a very volatile, let's call it mercurial time. You're going to get ups and downs. You know, what we do is from an analytic standpoint is we try to project based on what the player's doing physically. Now, we, we've talked about it before. You know, this is maybe a little bit more sports science. And we do have analysts who focus on, on sabermetrics, like you just mentioned. Others that, that focus more on what the player does, how hard they hit the ball, what pitches are they swinging at, their, the, the launch angle and elevation. We can take all that based on how hard a player hits a ball. This is now referencing Jared in, in specific. What pitches is he swinging at? How hard is he hitting them? What is his selection? In the, 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 the reduction of shifting or elimination of shifting that we'll see in 2023, the placement of the balls he's hit in the recent past, how many of them you know, will fall into spaces where there are no players, you know, there are no defenders? Now, what the, the lift and trajectory of the ball off the bat does, you know, at his velocities over time. And and that's why we were excited with the last five weeks of his 2022, you know, starting in Tacoma and then finishing in Seattle. It didn't show up on a stat sheet, but all of the underlying information was pointing toward big improvement in all those areas, which is why we're excited and feel like he's a great breakout candidate. Can I ask you a dumb question? Why do you ask now? What, what sure. about the previous five? <laughs> <laughs> the previous five were all great. Oh, no, I, got, I, I got a dumb question because, you know, you, you talk about all of these metrics and certainly the perfect game, you know, group it, it, with the youth baseball level do the same thing. They measure exit velo and, and arm velo from the outfield and, and all the other stuff. Do you guys measure bat speed, swing speed, and arm speed as far as the pitcher? Are, are those things even measured at all or is it all after impact? No, we, we do measure all of those things. We, we go through strength assessments. And, you know, this is something, frankly, in baseball that we've learned by visiting with other, you know, major sports, you know, is, is athletic measurables, the things that, you know, how much energy, the big thing for us was force plates, which is now, you know, everywhere in, in professional and even amateur sport, uh, how much energy or, 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 or power is a player able to, to impart, you know, through the ground or, you know, through his lower body and, and how does that result or what is the result of that in the way his swing works or, you know, the, the physical attributes he may have that will allow us to develop velocity. And, you know, frankly, Andres Munoz on our team is, is a player who, you know, if he gets on force plates, it's, it's eye opening. What he's able what, what to are do. For, and, what are force plates? What I'd, um, I think uh, yeah. I know what they are, but I know our audience <laughs> largely doesn't understand. What, what are force plates? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it looks like a mat that, that just lays on the ground, and a player is going to get there, – there's a series of different jumps that, a, that a, an athlete will go through to assess his power. You know, what type of power can they, can they produce? And then how can we take 
the power that might be, and I'm not smart enough from a sports science perspective to walk you through the great detail, but there are various different types of power. And, you know, one of the things that we learned, you know, when, when Andres first got on the, the force plates was, I, I, and I didn't know this when we acquired him, you know, he was a world-class triple jumper for the Mexican uh, track and field team when he was a teenager, <laughs> the, the Mexican national track and field team. And, and uh, I, I don't know why we didn't know that, but I also didn't know that that was going to translate into a 103 mile an hour fastball. It's a, you know, pretty fascinating uh, athletic background. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we're looking for is, is that type of, of power. And those are modern training tools or tools of assessment. If you go up to driveline, they'll put you through an assessment, uh, an assessment with these biomarkers. And, and we've started doing that in professional sports or we specifically with the Mariners in recent years as well is assessing the strength and movement of our players so that we can predict or help them improve in, in areas of, of what is probably already strength. You know, I said this at the, the event that I, I just uh, described down in Phoenix this past weekend, you know, when I was playing 30 years ago, coaches tried to coach you on the things that you didn't do well. They spent 90% of their time trying to help you improve in an area of weakness or something you just couldn't do. You know, today's coaches spend 90% of their time helping amplify the thing you do best. And, you know, and once you figure out what your special skill is, you know, that now we can help you really amplify that and turn good to great. And, and I think that's what you're seeing in modern coaching and, and the use of analytics is pivotal to that. Hmm. That's fascinating. And, so that, cool. and that's really, and kind of sounds a lot like what Pete Carroll does in his own way, right. Of trying to, to put people in the best position to succeed. What we've talked about with Scott and your whole bullpen and trying to put those guys in a position to succeed rather than these old constructs of things like closers. Uh, Jerry, I know you got to run here and, and we do as well soon. Let me just sort of ask you this. And I, and I try to put myself in the position of a Mariner fan right now. And I guess the big question they'd want to ask you that I think you can still answer. Cause I know you can't, talk about specific players or deals or anything like that. Is it, do you believe that the Mariners can land another impact player between now and the time the season starts? I don't know. Uh, I, is the, the real answer to that. I don't know. I, I know we won't land Aaron judge or Trey Turner. <laughs> you know, they, they have jobs, but there's, we are, we are always looking to get better and however we can do that. It, if it's via free agency, if it's via trade, we feel like we've added a pair of impact players to this team. I guess it's, you know, the, the fanatic, as, as, as Brock described it earlier, or, you know, the, the front office person like I am sitting and talking to you on the phone, we may see impact in different ways. You know, I find well-balanced players who do a lot of things well, impactful. I find, you know, middle of the order hitters with 30 homer pop and the ability to, to, to do athletic things on a field to be impactful. That's what we're trying to find. We're not really trying going out and trying to, you know, wow with the big splash move to make people turn their head. We just want to be a better baseball team. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's impact. Hey, last thing, uh, play in your strengths. Here's my just last little <laughs> counsel on the way out. In order to meet with someone, why don't you call them and say, listen, I got a pizza stone. I make some <laughs> of the best pizza in the world. I'll fly you to Seattle to get this deal done, and I'll cook you a little pizza along the way. What do you think? 
It is no pizza stone. It is a full-blown pizza oven for, <laughs> for the record. And while I would be glad to do that, the, the I did I did in a in a text thread yesterday morning. I, got, I did get a text from from one of my brethren who runs another major league club, and, yep. and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I and I, I said. I'm sitting here staring at a wall. I fear we are getting bored. <laughs> but it's, uh, I've never thought that before. Uh, Jerry, this is great. Thank you. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, good to hear all of this and, and hopefully gives the Mariner fans a little sense of, of where this group is going. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll talk then. All right, guys. Appreciate you.